I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, oh, I've got a great one for you today. I got to sit down and chat with Eddie Argos of Art Brute. Uh, and of Glam Chops, uh, which I got reminded of, uh, embarrassingly so, halfway through it, whilst chatting about uh, our mutual love of uh, David Devant and his spirit wife. Um, and it's it's a really, really good chat, this one. Um, Eddie was super kind, uh, really, really fun. And I think you're going to love it. Um, before we get on with that chat, just a few thank yous. Um, big thanks uh, to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, and if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then um, when you finish listening to uh, today's episode, go and have a look in the, the archives because you'll get to listen to episodes from uh, the aforementioned David Devant and his spirit wife, plus um, a load more um, of the artists that we talk about uh, on today's chat, uh, as well as, you know, uh, recent guests that have involved, you know, the likes of Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, Chuck D of Public Enemy, Norman Cook, um, gosh, Maxine Peak, Amanda Abington, uh, Andy McCluskey of Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, Madness. Um, yeah, go and, go and have a rummage in the archives because I'm sure you'll find something that you will enjoy. Um, and also, if you'd like to support the podcast, this is a labour of love, so um, you can support it and get access to a load more uh, stuff as well. Over on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon dot com forward slash off the beaten track um you can for i think it's about as little as like 80p a week um you can support the podcast and what you also get is access to another 200 or so episodes over there uh, and four weekly shows that i put out over there which um involve me playing records and chatting about them and also put up video episodes as well and all sorts of goodies and yeah that 80p a week really you know really does help because uh, as mentioned this is a labor of love and it's a lovely labor of love as well and uh and it's been a, an absolute godsend in in 2020 being able to you know connect and and you know chat to so many amazing people um over zoom uh in uh, in what is a, a weird old year okay um well let's get on to today's chat which is glorious and you're gonna love it so it gives me great pleasure to say please enjoy off the beat and track podcast with eddie argos <laughs> Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we're recording. Sitting opposite me now, Eddie Argos. Hello. Hello, you're right. I'm good, thank you. How are you? 
Yeah, man, good, good, I'm okay. Whereabouts are you right now? In Berlin, in my flat in Berlin. Nice. Um, How have you found, before we get onto onto the records and stuff, how have you found the last uh, sort of seven, eight months, Eddie, as a a human and as a creative? Uh, Quite hard. We were on tour with the subways when it all sort of started over in the UK. And you were dealing with it differently, I think, than they were over here in Germany. So when that tour finished and um, early, <laughs> and I came back home, it was weird because we'd just been playing to like, you know, the Subway's audience, like a couple of thousand people a night. And I got back to Berlin and everything was shut. <laughs> and like the, the tubes were empty. You know, it was a sudden, drastic change. And me and my ex decided that I'd like, I would like isolate for two weeks just in case because it seemed a bit dodgy, you know. So I was just in my flat by myself for like two weeks. It's good listening to the mountain goats in the bath, <laughs> eating chocolate, you know, sort of vague nervous breakdown. And then, yeah, I've sort of got better now. Though. Like people were doing stuff like making streams and, and my friends, we are scientists, were like doing an Instagram thing every night. And I was like, why aren't you all like in a sort of frozen state of panic like, like me? But yeah, so that, I mean, that was a while ago now. It's been a long year, isn't it? <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah but I do think that everybody kind of had that thing that you have that kind of knee-jerk panic uh yeah I, like, I literally just got in the bath every day like oh i watch community eat chocolate <laughs> but then i really just was doing nothing just like freaking out yeah um and and so what's what's kind of you know have you been sort of creative at all over the last sort of six months yeah months? i mean i mean i know lots of people have said this but it's not i mean i do this thing where i paint people's favorite album covers like while i listen to them and um, I had quite a backlog of that. So, I mean, it took a pandemic, <laughs> but I've, I've nearly caught up with all of those. So I did that a lot. Um, my son's Kita, uh, Kita is like the German word for kindergarten. That's strange, isn't it? <laughs> my, my son's Kita um, was shut for a bit. So he was here a lot because um, his mum works from home. So, yeah, it was that was nice, you know. I didn't get much creative stuff done. We did yoga every day, me and him. That was quite good. Star nice. Wars yoga, Pokemon yoga. And then when he went back, when he went back to his mum's house, I was like, I think that's my level, <laughs> Pokemon yoga. <laughs> so I kept, I kept doing it, even though he wasn't here anymore. I do some Pokemon yoga, a bit of Minecraft yoga. But yeah, I mean, I've started, yeah, I've been writing a bit and this same, really, you know. I'm quite good by myself. I'm quite used to, you know. Okay. Well, well, let's talk records. Um, for track one, Eddie, the yeah. song with the greatest ever intro, please. Yeah, I chose a Positive Jam by The Hold Steady. The, um, I had a few different... I, I wasn't sure whether I listened to the Jim Bob one you did. Oh, okay. And in, and in that one, you're talking. He, I mean, he says another another planet, which is my other choice, really. That's like, and he's talking about like how exciting it is, like something's coming. And um, you mentioned to him, the only living boy in New Cross, mm. and you get your wires crossed. I think because you mean that, that he thinks you mean a different song. I think he meant thought I meant after the watershed. I think. Yeah, yeah, because you you you. That's why I realized this was okay because the intro to. No different boy in New Cross is speaking. It's like hello, hello good, good evening, good welcome. welcome. Yeah, yeah, and that is an intro. But I think he, in his head, intros are like instrumentals. Yeah. When I heard you talk, I was like, ah, oh, so I can have this as an intro because it's a lot of talking. Yeah. This was the whole study. So it's like it's like two and a half minutes of like, it's like three introductions really. This yeah. song is like it's all Craven's amazing like dense lyrics, and then he's like, oh, you sniffling indie kids. Hold steady, you know, like, it's like yeah, it's, and I, like it's like it's like a real big build up for this. Like, it's like three different introductions, yeah. And it's the first song on their first album, you know. It's like whenever I hear it, I go, oh, I wish I'd had the idea to have like an introduction song. And I think, oh, I kind of did actually, so, so it's all right. And our first song is formed a band on our first album, so it's you know, it's okay. 
<laughs> like I get jealous of his idea. I'm like that's so good. It's like this. You got to start with a positive jam, man. <laughs> it's like it's brilliant. Oh, I love the whole study anyway. And we toured with them for like six weeks in America and stuff. So. Oh, nice. At, at, at the height of my love, you know, so it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, me and Craig Finn doing all these interviews together and him like saying things and then me going, yep. <laughs> what he said. What he just said. <laughs> also what I think. It was, it was fun. I mean, they, they, I mean, we were drinking a lot of that. We were like, you know, rock and roll fun, that that tour. It was pretty good, really. So yeah. what were what were the other ones that almost made the cut, Eddie? You can have some honourable mentions. Carter songs. I want to get some Carter in there. I love Carter. That's oh, do you? Yeah, they're one of my favourite bands. Um, so, yeah, like Rubbish, maybe, by them. <sighs> well, the stuff Jim Bob says, you know, like those sort of, here's an exciting thing coming, you know, that kind of stuff. I, th- I honestly think that um, Jim Bob's really, really underrated as a as a lyricist. I, I think he's, he's some of his lyrics are absolutely incredible. I think he's amazing. Yeah, they were one of the first bands. I mean, I came to them late. Like what I grew up in, bought. I didn't have much money growing up, so I was like always buying like secondhand records, you know. And I bought so like I mean it's like 1995 or something. I went into Carter, like retroactively, right. you know. So I sort of went backwards because because I didn't know their fan base really, you know. So I was like listening to Carter in my bedroom, like people listen to the Smiths or Bell and Sebastian or something, you know. Like oh these lyrics are amazing, and like you know my room, my headphones on. And then when I got started going to Carter gigs, like, that's not their fan base. <laughs> their fan base isn't like kids that like poetry, <laughs> like listening to their lyrics yeah. like that. It's like, I mean, the fans are nice. I like Carter fans. It's good. They're like a nice community, but they're definitely not like lie around in your bedroom. No, <laughs> like, they, they, like they, they don't also yeah. attend a Bell and Sebastian gig in their cardigan and stand there no, desperately no, clutching their crazy. record bag. Like. Exactly. <laughs> so it was a shock, you know, when I saw But I only, I only ever saw them play when I'm... Um, they were like a seven-piece. Yeah. Because right? that's where I've been to them, you know, like, right, right, right by then. So, like, I saw them in Southampton and Salisbury and Bournemouth. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was amazing. Like, oh, they're real. You know, they've been, like, in my record collection for a long time. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of friends with Jim Bob now. We played with Jim Bob a bit. They asked us to play the first Carter reunion. At the oh, Books wow. Academy, which I would have, we were in America. I couldn't do it. And they never asked us again. It's like, go on. But we, we were always away, actually. So, Never worked out really. I never saw those shows at the Books and Academy because we were always on tour. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's like a dream. It's like a dream for me. <laughs> I think. So yeah, I'm a big, big fan of his. So there'd be the Carter song probably, maybe like Babies by Pulp something like that. Oh, do you know what? What an intro. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, we Russell Senior produced some songs for Brute that we didn't release, and he was telling me then. He was just taking the bits out of the Smiths. That's where that riff came from. They're trying to like make a jokey. Like I can hear it when you hear that story. He's like, "Oh yeah, I can." There's a Smiths thing in there. It is. Of. It is like a more kind of gentle. What difference does it yeah. make? Almost, isn't it? It just kind yeah. of sort of creeps up to the big kind of when the when the drums kick in. Yeah, it's I never thought of it like that. No, me either. He said, "I was like, oh yeah, hang on a minute, I can." And there's a Smithsy Johnny Marr thing in there. Yeah. Oh, a, and do you know what? There's a. There's a little bit in Babies on the mm. last chorus where they do another little play over that kind of goes, duh, 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 duh. and it's like not the one that, that runs throughout the song. There's another one. I don't know if you know what I mean. They layer it again with just right. yeah, this other little thing. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just. I'm a big cult fan, yeah. So it's oh. fun. Yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, track two. Okay, we'll try to. What, what we got. I can't remember what the, the questions were or what the answers were. So, right. Yeah, well, it's the first song you remember, Eddie, um, hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Oh, yeah. I chose um, Space Oddity by David Bowie. This was hard because there's other songs that I've definitely cried at and been sad about. But I think I, I was sad already. I think I put them on because I was in that place, you know. But this is the first song that made me – I was quite like a – as a teenager, I was quite emotional as a teenager. It was like, I don't know, prickly or on the edge, you know. I remember being in the back of a car and this playing on the radio, I think, or Virgin Radio or something. And I was like 13 or 14, maybe. And it's the bit where it goes, um, tell my wife I love her very much, she knows. And for some reason, I don't know why, but it's sad, obviously, he's drifting into space. But it really hit me. I started crying in the back of the car, but like had to hide it because it's weird, isn't it? To suddenly be like very sad about something weird. I don't, so know. Just... I don't know. I think he's like... We were like driving to my grandparents or something. It was like, you know, I was a kid, like going yeah. somewhere. And it's just, and you've heard that song so many times, yeah. you know. Maybe I hadn't then, actually. I've definitely heard it a few times. And something about just that bit just got me. It was like, oh, God, this man's flown away into space and ah. Oh. Yeah, and I was like in the back of the car, like leaning against the window, like oh, just looking at me here for a second. <laughs> That's a weird thing. To, you know, it's such a famous pop song. I just, I do this, I said this album painting thing. I just painted a single for somebody, this single for somebody. And I played the song the whole time I'm making the painting. So I must have heard this song recently, like, oh, God knows, 100 times, <laughs> lots of times. And I'm, I didn't cry this time, actually. But the more you hear it, it's like an amazing song. You it's sort of take for granted. Beautiful record. Yeah, you take it for granted because it's David Bowie. Yeah, of course it's brilliant. When you actually go sit or think about why it's brilliant, it's yeah. Well, that song really. But there's other songs like my first breakup. I play <laughs> my first breakup, probably Emily Kane actually, big proper breakup. Um, I played Congratulations by the Traveling Wilburys, like on repeat. This Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Because I didn't have the record collection yet. I realise now. I don't have any sad breakup songs apart from that. You know, Elastica were writing sad breakup songs doing there's no <laughs> cast. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there's nothing. I had to like, I had to make do with this one Travelling Wilbury song that I knew. So that also had an impact on me, that Travelling Wilbury song playing Congratulations on repeat, you know. But, the, um, but yeah, that's because I was sad already and looking for a sad song. Do you, know? do, do you, 
do you still sort of do that? If you have a low day, do you listen to low music or do you, you know, dig out the best of steps and try and cheer yourself up? Like, uh, I'm definitely, I can wallow for sure. Yeah. I'm a wallower. Uh, both really. Depends. Depends. Well, sometimes my moods aren't tethered to anything. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I can be very sad for no reason or very happy for no reason, you know? So it's quite, yeah. But, but I've always got music on them. So I think often it just reflects my mood. I think I'm putting on. Yeah. And maybe I do put on sad songs and I'm sad. I think. And then when I start to feel better, 25 great bubblegum hits or something. Yeah. <laughs> so those those times when, you know, you, you, you spoke about, you know, being in the back of uh, your grandparents' car or whatever, where, where was home then, Eddie? Where was growing up? I'm from Bournemouth, or Poole, actually, which is next to Bournemouth. It's all right. I don't really like it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I moved away when I was 20, 21 to London. And, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, with the pool, nothing really there. Uh, it was on the news recently because people were like, they wanted to throw Baden Powell into the harbour or something. Oh, that's or, right. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. I know all those people. I don't, I don't really like it. I mean, you had Jamie Claxon on here recently. I did. And he's yeah. from like similar area. He's from like the posh. He's from like that over in Christchurch. You know, like I'm from a bit further south. So, yeah. So, how was, how was them sort of first sort of 20 years and your teenage years in? In uh, in in, in uh, Paul, uh, uh, I mean it was all right. I mean I went to quite a rough school. Secondary school was quite hard. But my first day at secondary school, I saw like a kid like get the shit kicked out of him <laughs> like on, on the field, and, like by older kids. And me and my friend were like, oh. And then no teacher came over. You know, nothing happened because of it. It was terrifying. I was like, oh, this is where I am then for four years. <laughs> but that was we sort of. I think out of that, I formed quite a close group of friends there but they all like metal really the Britpop was just starting yeah. it was like I, I liked a bit of pulp and stuff and they all liked I don't know Aerosmith <laughs> and the Red Hot Chili Peppers you know and we formed a, a tight little gang and then when I left that school I went to like sixth form and by then I sort of discovered wanting to be in a band really I always wanted to be in a band but by the time I was like 16 I was doing it really I was in the Art Goblins and so sixth form for me was just showing off I think what most people do at university like not really working and just showing off and going to indie clubs. I was doing that at sixth form. I did it a bit too early. <laughs> I think I've got no qualifications. That's so good. That is what I done. You just go, didn't you? Form a band and show off. <laughs> yeah, but I did that like too soon before university. So, like, and all my friends, but the art goblins would change every year because the art goblins were going to university. You know, <laughs> like, oh, uh, who's in the band? We're going off. And like, no, we've got to go. We've got rail We're going now. We're going to Exeter. You know, like, oh shit. Another some new art goblins, and eventually after like three or four times of that, I moved to London. You know, just to, yeah. not to go to university, just to get a job and try and start a band or something. Well, let, let's let's just stick with school at the moment because for track three, I'm going to ask you what the song is that reminds you of your time at school, please, Eddie. Oh yeah, it's pulp. It's probably misshapes. I think because I mean, that's not the best pulp song for sure, but it's like um, yeah. I mean that all happened like pulp. Like that Britpop was like what's that ninety five? I was like fifteen, you know. I was like at at school, and it was it was nice all of a sudden. Like I quite I'd been looking for music that I might like it was before the internet really. So I was going to like a second hand shop called Big Brother and just buying things that I thought had interesting names or like might be very tuneful. Lots of old punk compilations or rock and roll things, and then, but then pulp came along and it was like oh this is this is right <laughs> this is this is the thing I'm looking for. What yeah, jumped to that, you about pulp? What was it that struck uh, you? The, well, I mean, the lyrics for sure. Um, 
it was pop music, but it was like, I mean, it was everywhere for sure. Like, you know, they're one of the biggest bands. They're on the front cover of magazines and stuff. Maybe this is good. And then, yeah, it was brilliant. But it, <laughs> so but it, was, it, was, it was pop for the misshapes as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was that. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I think especially as a, like a sensitive 15-year-old. Like that, that leapt out at me, or misshapes, mistakes, misfits, raising a dart of broken biscuits. Like, yep, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, it's quite. It seems cheesy now that song. I think even he's sort of not disowned it, but it's not like, you know, it's not like a. But when you're 15 and you're feeling a bit sensitive and you're at a rough school, it's quite nice, Dad. You know, I, I saw Pop. I went to see Pop. Back in then, Stereo Labs put them at the Bic or something. Oh, like glorious! My, my first gig, really, actually, that I went, I chose to go to. My dad took me to see um. Thunder, you know the band Thunder? I do. Like, I love walked in. My dad just thought, oh, he needs to see a gig. My dad just took me to this rock show just as a nice... I had no interest in that sort of music. That's a cool thing, nice. though, isn't it? Yeah, it was nice. I, 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 it stuck with me. Like, it wasn't... I mean, I love all that fake uncles. Like, the, I love rock. Like, the, I mean, the whole study, do it, we do it a bit, too. But, like, you know, like, I love it. So seeing that was an impression on me. Like, bloody hell, this is entertaining. He's an entertaining man. But the songs aren't all for me but this is entertaining and then then later six months later maybe even i bought a ticket to go and see pulp and they were yeah that was really good and so at that point was you already kind of thinking about well, i mean what did you want to be at that point of school did you have any idea what you wanted to do i wanted to be a dude in the band basically like i really like drama and stuff like that but i wasn't in the sort of house where i could say i want to be an actor or i want to be a you know it wasn't sort of my family background they'd be like get a proper job or something you know or like maybe you could be a drama teacher you know so i liked being on stage i liked writing and um i just loved live music and being i just like music by then i was like figuring it out but i knew that's what i liked i'm just a massive show off i wanted to be somewhere where i could be on a stage and be like i'm in charge you know <laughs> are you confident then um yeah it was weird i thought yeah like i was I wasn't really confident unless I was in the, I dressed really weird for a bit. I was like figuring myself out. So I had like a green velvet jacket and like a sort of stripy top. I wore a hat with a feather in it a lot. Like a, <laughs> That's yeah, ambitious. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that. And people still know me. Like, oh, we used to call you Robin Hood. So it's like this thing. Yeah? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And the, um, so I don't know why I was doing that because it got me a lot of attention, obviously. I mean, I got, I got beaten up a lot or like, you know, people shouting at me. Which I didn't like, but I don't know why I was doing it. <laughs> I was just looking for it. I don't know what was, I don't know what was going on there. So I was quite shy, but but dressing like Robin Hood for some reason and walking around town. Did you feel like you had something to say? Yeah, I think I was just all. It was like a mess, you know. I think I was just like not built yet, you know. I think I was like looking for. I was trying things out, you know. Like I was obsessed with the Sutton to Ping for a bit. Another band that was sort of finished almost well because I, I there's no internet yeah so i got really into Carter usm mm-hmm. and i had no way of like of finding out anything about them really apart from like buying old enemies from a second-hand shop yeah and then so i thought okay so i like carter how do i find out other things like that so i'd like read the car uh cd inlays and they'd be like oh they thank these animal men they thank smash they thank someone's pink family cat so i would then go and find those records in the second-hand shop and I'd get into them. So I was like about three years behind everybody else, besides Pulp. Like, you know, so it was like, and David Devon, doesn't matter the thing. But like, I um Are you a fan of David Devon then? 
a huge fan of David's one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I spoke to yeah, Mikey on the, the podcast. Band, I was like, oh, oh, the pop. I was like, I've heard that one too, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both those bands are big fans of. I love Mikey. Like, yeah, oh, he's. I had a band with him called Glam Chops where we played together. Of course, completely. Yeah. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a funny thing we did. But every time for me, it was like that's the same one of my favorite band ever. <laughs> 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 he, he he came to stay with me in Berlin. He actually, mainly an artist now. I think he does a lot of you know, that stuff. And he was in Berlin, which is completely side right now for me. But he was in Berlin and with all the art people on the on the train. And I was talking about David Devon. And they were like, oh, you're in a band, Tim? Like, he's in the best band. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> they didn't know. Like, well, yeah, he's in the, the band. Or the band that sort of defined my life. <laughs> like this, you know, you know, like name check. I look at myself now and again and think, like, moustache. I wear silver shoes, a lot of pink shirts. I changed my name when I was 15. Or I destroyed consensus reality. Like, David Devon's like a, was like a switch for me, I think. Did you get to see them sort of early on, Eddie? Yeah, well, I saw them in, I had to lie about my age because I wasn't 18 yet, but I saw them at the fire, in the fire station in Bournemouth. Mm. And then later, whenever I could, of course. But like on that first tour for the first album, I saw them there. Um, I have one other friend that liked them called John Cool. That's his real name, John Cool, yeah. <laughs> and the, um, we went and we lied about our age to get in. And he said, he went the wrong way. You know, he said like 81 and not 80 or something. Or, you yeah. know, and they're like, you can't come in, mate. And he looked at me like, then we both can't go in. That's like, nope. <laughs> 79. <laughs> I went, sorry, John, I've got to go. It's not my favourite band. They, they threw a guitar pick into the audience and I managed to get it. And I wore it around my neck. I mean, he doesn't know this. He's going to hear this and be embarrassing. But I wore it around my neck for a bit. Like, I love Devonson. Like, he came to my house once as Mr. Solo when I lived in Camden. He had to get ready. There's no changing room. But can I change in your room? I mean, yeah, of course, go for me, go for it. There was like that Alan Partridge thing, there's a David Von poster. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a fan, Alan. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm a big, David Devon were a big thing. But yeah, I mean, I had all that going on, like the Solon's Ping as well, the glamour stuff, you know, I wore a lot of makeup. I've got, uh, I've got a really weird story that I've never really told about the Solon's Ping. Mm-hmm. And so, in the kind of early 90s, um, there was a lot of kind of interest in the, in the kind of cork bands, probably off the back of Carter. And there was them and the Frank and Mortars that, that, that got mm-hmm. lots of attention. And and everybody seemed to think that the Sultans were this comedy band, purely on the strength of Where's Me Jumper. And uh, although I secretly liked Stupid Kid and stuff like that, I thought they were really good pop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a comedy band. And so we would try and sort of cause a scene at their gigs so we would fly out their gigs um, with pictures of the Sultans of Pink with like the little newspaper kind of cut out of the letters saying they're not funny, uh, we are. <laughs> and we'd fly out of the crowd as they were walking in. Then we'd go in and watch the gig. But we played, they played at the venue in New Cross. And, uh, and we was like, right. And we'd phoned the NME and we'd phoned the Melody Maker and said, we're going to cause a big scene at this show. We're this like <laughs> hilarious band. <laughs> it sounds so terrible now. And when they're going to do their encore, we'd create this big banner just saying, they're not funny. And we're going to storm the stage and we're going to hold this banner up. And so all of my band was there and it was like nine of us in the band. And we was like, right, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's make a rush for the stage. And everybody had been kind of getting really brave all the way up to, to New Cross until that very moment when it happened to just be me and the other singer that jumped up <laughs> on stage. We got bundled out by security quite quickly. 
And uh, and we was then sort of backstage, sort of arguing with security, saying, "No, no, it's a it's an in joke. We're we're actually like mates of the band, blah blah blah." So they let <laughs> us back in, and as they let us back in, our guitarist was at the sort of front of the stage, and there was the the whole crowd had moved back about six foot, and he had a fire extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just hosing down the Sultans. <laughs> and that, that was our like, kind of prank to try and get some attention. We got, I think we got about two lines in the enemy or something the following week. And, uh, yeah. But, I mean, Niall was quite a ferocious front man as well. That's quite a... He really was. He really was, yeah, Niall, yeah. yeah. Don't, we don't want to mess with that, really. <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think, again, I, I think I can be quite fanboy about stuff. And I'm being at like the Camden Cool in the 90s and seeing him at like a... A Mika band show, a Mika bomb show, mm. and being like, oh, fuck, I love this album, you know, like too much, probably. He said, like, Yeah, I'm gonna start a new band that's called Cool Man, you know, like being really. And then I saw him a few more times, and once I saw him in the high street in Camden, he was ahead of me at the the cash point, and I could just see him looking at, Oh, shit, is that guy? I'm that, you know, mad songs of England. So I, that's when I sort of checked it. Oh, yeah, better not speak to him. I go to a different cash point. <laughs> but it was, yeah. But no, but I, I mean, I used to wear leather trousers and no shirt and stuff around. In my head, it was like, oh, they're a band. I mean, they're probably only doing that on stage, you know, but I was like, that's my life now. Going to sixth form. Do you know what? Just I, leather trousers. I literally went and, and looked at loads of old sort of Sultan's videos and, and, and stuff like that, literally about two months ago. And there's some cracking singles. So, that's, I mean, I, my favorite album was their last album when they were they were just Sultans by then, mm. like Scar on My Face and all that kind of stuff. They're a bit more. I love all of it actually. I love all of it, but like that last album is like the one I go to the most actually, even more than like the first one. As much as I caused all that for at their gig, I did then book them on that tour to come and play my <laughs> venue. And, yeah. uh, and that, <laughs> well, because if, I, if I'm right, the the drummer Multi, most of right to him. That's how much the Sultans have been. He was from Canvey Island. Um, oh, yeah? I, I believe that he was the only one that wasn't from Cork. I believe Monty, or if he wasn't from there, he lived in Canvey, which is just up the road from from myself. And uh, and yeah, he was always um, he was always super friendly. He was the one that had always come and, and, and chat to us all afterwards. Even the night that we hosed him down as well, he uh, he come and asked us why we done it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I, I wrote. I used to write to the songs of Pink, like because I loved them so much. Yeah. Good email. And Morty was the guy that wrote back. Yeah. I've got three or four letters from Morty somewhere. You know, like oh, I love songs of Pink. I, I, I found a bootleg in a charity shop, I think, or something, and I copied it and sent it to them, and stuff like that. It was yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, for track four, Eddie, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember buying from a record shop. Yeah, Uncle Sam by Madness. The, um, I think I must have been six, maybe, something like when it came out, 85, maybe. I don't know when that song came out. I would have but said the, um, about 85, yeah. Yeah. My little brother was going to um, a birthday party that I was not invited to because <laughs> I was too old. I think I wasn't upset about it, I don't think, but my mum was like, oh, don't worry, we'll do something fun. And there was like a record shop on the Ashley Road where I used to live. And she said I could have whatever song I wanted. But I think I'd seen Uncle Sam, like, that morning, <laughs> not on like whatever going live or whatever the kids' yeah. show was called. Then I loved it actually. I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's probably not thought of as like peak madness. It's a bit after in it, but like, script was a great song. I still have it somewhere, the seven inch. So yeah, it's like, it's, oh, I can have any record I want. <laughs> it's like you know, I'm gonna have madness, from Uncle Sam. So, where, yeah, can you remember where you got it from? Yeah, there's a record shop on. In Port, where I'm from, on Ashley Road. It's called Spin Records or something. It was more of like a DJ kind of, it was the early 90s, wasn't it? 
so I guess, who knows, 80s then? I don't know, but it's, it sold lots of like turntables and stuff as well. And like, I don't know, music, dance music later. Yeah. But they had like a little independent, you know, guitar section in the corner where I got it from. So was, was madness something that made a, a dent on you? But yeah, I mean, everyone, no, I think a little bit like, I mean, especially those early songs. Yeah, everyone kind of likes Madness. I saw Luke Haynes tweeting about it and how, like, loads of, like, skinheads like Madness and stuff. Like, racist skinheads, I think. But, I, I mean, I was too young. I didn't know any of that, you know. To me, they're just a funny bot band. They, they were, you know, that, that's the thing. You know, I'm 47 and, and you know, junior school and, and, and secondary school for me was like, I was a, a complete obsessive with, with Madness. <laughs> purely on the, the strength of it was almost like the video. It was all the videos because it just looked like fun. No. But it's only as you get older and you start to sort of listen a little bit closer and you realise that in probably 1983, maybe, they tackled the kind of the, the right-wing following that they were gaining with, with embarrassment. And you listen to embarrassment and, you know, to talk about, you know, mixed-race you know mixed race marriage at that point, huh. that's quite a brave statement to, to, to kind of throw that out there. And, and they've done it. And it's great. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think for a second that Madness are racist or anything. I, no, didn't, know, no, no, no. I didn't know they had that following, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um, as did, you know, a lot of that kind of early two-tone movement as well, which is insane when you think that it's all you know got its roots in jamaican music it's very very strange um i I met terry hall once like an art brute gig a really early art brute gig the the monarch some kid said do you want to come meet my dad and i was like that's a bit weird (laughs) (laughs) all right i meet your dad and he took me the whole way to meet his dad his dad was terry hall it was like oh (laughs) it was like he didn't say it before yeah but i didn't it was such as i just come on stage it was such a surprise i went away Shook his hand and went away. Like that kid should have been like, "Do you want to meet Terry Hall?" Like, have been more prepared, you know. He's like, "Welcome to meet my dad." Like, yeah, sure. That's weird. Did you drive you here? Like, why is your dad here? You know, and it was his dad was Terry Hall. Oh, oh that's amazing. Okay. I literally went, "Oh!" Shook <laughs> his hand and ran away. But it was yeah. yeah. Uh, for track five, Eddie, I'm going to ask you the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a, a clubber. So I, don't, I don't really like... I'm not into, I like lyrics quite a lot. There's not a lot of that in dance music, I guess. Oh, it but hasn't like, necessarily got to be dance music. You, you could have yeah. been knocking around the indie clubs of London. Yeah, it this could is what easily. I've done, yeah. I was, indie disco is... Um, yeah, I mean, there's indie... I mean, on Jamie's podcast with you we spoke about it the extreme in Bournemouth and then it became the villa later on I'd go there I left home quite early I was like 18 when I left home so I like lived in a bed sit near the train station and everyone would come to my house before they went to the club you know and afterwards <laughs> but like and we'd like get I think you call it preloading now that's it we just we just used to call it boozing <laughs> like we'd, we'd booze in my house listening to like yeah Helen Love and stuff like that USA at Sora all that kind of stuff that we were into. And the Heart Go Boom is like, such a, as me and my girlfriend at the time, was like our song kind of thing. And even when we'd broken up, we were quite a volatile relationship. And I think even when we weren't going out and we hated each other, we'd still sort of begrudgingly dance to this song in the <laughs> disco together. <laughs> you can't knock yourself. All right. <laughs> Hello. Do you want to spin around to this song for like two and a half minutes and then not talk to each other for a month? Yeah, like so yeah, I mean, this song is, and we like DJ Pete, we used to bring him records to, and this is always in the bag. We had yeah. it, I think, by the end, but like, put this on. Yeah, only at the beginning, <laughs> before the real people turn up. <laughs> you know, but yeah. So, it's, so yeah. What, what that, we... that song, I love Helen Love, actually. So it's. And it's a nice shout out to USA Yatsura as well. I've not, I've not heard of them for a while. I'm going to come dig out. It was Fake Fur was a big single, wasn't it? Yeah. That's a great yeah. tune. And, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Hello Tiger. Yeah, all of that. It was great. Uh, yeah, it was Hello Tiger was one as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. Oh, I'm going to dig them out. And uh, this, all that stuff. I mean, that was very much my bed sit. <laughs> it was like all that stuff. Very loud. While drinking white cider. And so on a night out an indie disco, you know, what did you want from it? I was, well, by the time I was going to indie discos, I was already showing off. <laughs> really, I'd like, I'd become, I, I was being Eddie Argos. I, I changed my name when I was like 15 or 16. So I started saying, I was very much Eddie Argos by then. Yeah, and I was like wearing suits. Every Saturday we go to the, to the like the, the jumble sales and the cherry shops and I'd buy old clothes and dress up and stuff. It was like, I had like a little bit of a gang with Jasper and, and Nadia Kasaiba, who's a DJ now. Jamie was like a bit more serious than us, but he was like, he was there too, Babak. Yeah, there was like a whole sort of little scene in that place. It was like a, yeah, but like my bit of it was like me and Jasper really and Nadia dressing up and showing off. <laughs> really, I had the Art Goblins by then, so it was always like come to our gig in you know seven months <laughs> whenever the next one whenever I had a water bill to pay and in regards to you know that scene of knowing that there was other musicians and creatives and such in it was there was there some sort of element of you know was you competitive within that I don't think I even really knew but no one was doing anything different then. it was weird well J- Jamie went to this Brockenhurst College where my friend Jasper went. So a lot of those kids all went to this one college. I was a postman by then. <laughs> I wasn't in college anymore. One day I even cycled there. I finished my postman around. 
and I cycled to Rockingham's College like through the New Forest for like seven hours or something. Because <laughs> Jasper was like, oh, I can do it in two hours. I couldn't do it in two hours. I didn't even, it was before GPS. I don't know how I thought, this is the middle of the forest. The New Forest is huge. I think I followed the train tracks for a long time and then I worked it out and got there and they were all finishing and we came home. But yeah, they, they were all like at that college together. And like making fanzines and doing stuff, but no one was really competitive. I think everyone was just happy to know somebody that was doing something, you know. Yeah. Like oh, that, I mean, Jamie was the first guy I knew that also liked the Yummy Fur. I like this band called the Yummy Fur, and I remember like I think I flyed in for the Art Goblins, and they said the Yummy Fur on our fly, and he's like, "Oh, I like the Yummy Fur. I, like, oh, I like you." <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. Nice it's with so many of us went on like yeah, like Matt Tong and Lise. I play later from Help She Can't Swim, and yeah, those are dudes. And different bands. Did it feel like because you said you moved to London at twenty, and and one of the reasons I set this podcast up initially uh, was was to do it more kind of based around counties and and on the first ten episodes, they're all based, they're all artists that are based in Essex, and it, and it all basically come around from a conversation with, with, with a friend of mine, Scribbis Pip, who lives a few roads up from me. As to so many times I hear people say, oh, "Do you live in London?" and he's like, "No," and they're like, "Why not?" And he's like, well, I, I'm quite happy in Stanford Leo in Essex. And, and, and I just find it, I, I think it's really amazing when people can create a scene outside of London and, and it gets a lot of attention. I think that, that's, that's something that's, that's fantastic when people can do that. But I'm also, I'm always sort of interested to know if people think, you know, you, do, do people still have that mindset that to, crack it and to break through in a very very you know hard industry to crack through and you you have to relocate to to london was that something that you felt you had to do i think this depends where you live doesn't it i think i mean you've probably got a lot more going on where you are but like in pool uh yeah i think i had to go somewhere else i sort of you know my band the art goblins we played mr smith's like constantly you know and that was it <laughs> you know all the central there's nowhere else to go or do anything you know i really want i really wanted to be in a band but I was working um, in social care by then, and I was working in New Milton in the New Forest, and the manager, Janet Tolson, said to me, you shouldn't be here. Like, you, you, don't, you shouldn't be in a small town. You know, like, you're young, get, get out. <laughs> you know, she, like, she gave me her A to Z of London and was like, when I was your age, I lived in London, and you should be doing that. Like, this, you know, like, you'll be much happier somewhere else. Like, she drove me to the train station, we had this sort of long conversation. And that was it. I was like, yeah, she's right, you know, like, I've done it everywhere. Yeah? This is no, there's no, there's nothing really there, you know, for me in Paul, Bournemouth. I mean, it's a bit different now. There's the art college and stuff now, so I think it's a bit different. But for me, then it was like, why am I, why am I here? <laughs> Do you mean I, I moved to London? I could, yeah, moved to London, and then that was it, really. You know, managed to find people to be in a band with me. Yeah, but I mean, I don't really like. I was much happier when I got to London than yeah. I was when I was in Bournemouth and Paul. I think so in my head, my life kind of started. That twenty when I got to London, yeah. I guess in London you don't get beaten up for wearing your Robin Hood hat, do you? Yeah, they all of that. Yeah, it's true. You don't really you get chased around all the time, and yeah, it's been quite rough, bit simple. Yeah, and it's that in it. It's nice, and the, I mean, it's bigger. There's more people. Yeah, like and there's art and gigs every night. And I could go to the I could go to the Tate for free. It was brilliant. You know, it was like yeah. you didn't do that in pool. You know, so I mean, I had to get out really. Well, let's go back to Home County um, for track six. Uh, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Eddie. Yeah, I chose um, I chose the Help She Can't Swim song. At least and Help She Can't Swim was also sort of... I don't know if she was ever in my um, 
bed city, probably getting drunk and stuff. But she was really proud. I think of all the people at that time in that scene, like me and her, still like Eurosite Sora and Helen Love and Biss. I think some people was like, oh, yeah, they were younger, they liked it a bit. But I think for me and her, if that came out now, we'd still like it. I'm not yeah. saying it in a while, actually, maybe I'm making this up. But her music definitely sounds like something we would listen to when we were um, teenagers. Yeah. Again, I, I really like, I mean, I didn't know that she was in Help She Can't Swim. I liked Help She Can't Swim. And then we played Glam Chops, played in Cardiff, I think. And they were supporting us. Like, well, at least what are you doing here? She's like, oh, we're supporting, I mean, Help She Can't Swim, we're supporting you. I'm just, oh, okay. It was, yeah, it was like a, a band I really liked and I thought about this time and then she was actually in them. So it was like, oh, it all sort of came together. Yeah, so why then the move from uh, London to Berlin? How come you're, you're, you're currently in Berlin? Well, I kind of moved around a bit anyway. I mean, with Art Brew, I mean, I lived in London for 10 years or something. I've been here for 10 years now. I think I was just, I didn't know the politics really that was coming in. I sort of saw this on the way. Um, I'd been living anyway, kind of in Los Angeles. I had a girlfriend at the time that lived in Los Angeles. So most of my time was in Los Angeles or in on tour really so I was paying I lived with my friend Keith he gave me a very fair rent but I think life was much cheaper in Berlin I thought I can move to Berlin I can sort of keep doing art and stuff and not to get a real job (laughs) that's the thing isn't it avoiding real work for as long as possible so I moved to Berlin and uh, yeah sort of find somewhere cheap to live and to I could paint and write and get on with stuff and not have to worry so much about the cost of rent and food and stuff do you feel content and comfortable in, in Berlin now? Yeah, I love it. A few years ago, I was coming, it was always like a sort of stop. I mean, I've got a son over there, I've got a family here, so like I'm definitely here forever. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, it was a few years ago when I was coming back from tour and I was walking up like where I used to live in Pankow and I was like, I love it here. I'm not just here because of that anymore. I'm here because I just really like Berlin. You know, I mean, it's a city, but it's quite sort of space. There's lots of green space. It's kind of, yeah. They, they handled this pandemic pretty well. <laughs> so it's all, you know, I'm in, I'm in the right place, really. How, how, how is it on the pandemic front in, in, in Berlin? Is there, is there, what sort of levels of freedom have you got? Because in the UK, obviously, we're, we're, we're right lockdown, back in the middle of uh, a, a lockdown at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, we were really, really shut down way before you and like a lot stricter. And now restaurants and bars and everything are shut again. You have to wear masks, of course, everywhere. Um, there's limited people in the shops and the supermarkets. Like when you go to the supermarket, you have to like take a basket, and if there's not a basket, you can't go in. Basically, to sort of counting the people in and out. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of missed Berlin the first time around. It wasn't that much Corona here, but this time it's we're one of the states where it's the most. I, think. I mean, there's, there's a protest here yesterday. All the idiots came from like all over Germany to protest the lockdown and stuff. Oh, but really? I think, yeah, which is annoying. But the um you know freedom of speech and that but it was kind of yeah but i think it's i think we're doing i mean it's i live above a bar and my rent is quite cheap because it's loud <laughs> but yeah. it's been very strange that the bars i mean i miss it actually it's a good bar they play music i'll be playing anyway so it's like living by the spotify playlist or something so it's yeah. absolutely fine <laughs> it's like i live on like quite a main road as well it's weird that it's sort of i live around lots of bars and restaurants and they're all shut that's quite strange for me that it's so quiet where i live at the moment my cats like it, I think. <laughs> but yeah, Eddie, for the last track, I'm going to ask you uh, for a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, I'm really into this. I mean, this is hard, actually. And I realized a minute ago, and I was thinking about it. I should have said a different band, maybe. But the, um, there's this band called Cheek Face that um, I really like. 
and they have this song called Emotional Rent Control that I've played to death <laughs> like this year. So it's, I mean, it's just brilliant. They're from, um, they're from Los Angeles. It's weird because I was playing it a lot, really into it. And I think I tweeted about how much I like it. And then it's Amanda from Stellar Star, is, who I know a little bit, is oh, in the band. Oh, really? And I didn't realise. She's like, oh, because the last time I was over in New York, we were like talking about how, the modern lovers. I love the modern lovers and she loves them. I'm talking about that a lot. And then she messaged me like, oh, it's weird you love this new band. I mean, because... We start with this focus to be a bit like the modern lovers. Well, makes sense. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So yeah, it's weird. I sort of loved it. The guy that I, this is what I was thinking earlier, the guy that I learned about Cheek Face from is this guy called Alex Wisgar, who like loves music and stuff. But he was the first ever person that really liked our brute. Like before Form the Band came out. He like he gave him he was a kid, so we like signed things for him and stuff. And then um this is like back in the day before we were internet on our phones. So Christian Chillo would book gigs email us the dates and then be like, oh, I've not heard back in like three days. I'll just confirm it. But we couldn't check our emails. <laughs> so we like, oh, shoot, we're doing a gig. So like Ian couldn't always get time off work. So this 15-year-old kid, Alex, would stand in for Ian sometimes on the guitar. So like, you know, like all our early shows, like if Ian couldn't do it, this this Art Brute fan called Alex has all stepped in. He's in a really good band called Fight Mill now, and he's like in his 30s. But um, he's always like tweeting and like Facebook and music. And I was like, oh, he's got good taste. He likes us. <laughs> see, what, <laughs> see what else he's into. And um, yeah, he, he, this cheek face band, I was like, oh, I fell in love with him. Really. They had an album out last year. Emotional Rent Control is my favorite, I think. I've, I've played it a million times this year, I think, in the bath, eating chocolate, <laughs> freaking out about the pandemic. Eddie, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, so people can go and listen to uh, all of the tracks that you've uh, you've chosen, and, and also some other ones that we've we've spoke about. We'll throw some Divant and we'll throw some uh, some Sultans in there as well, and obviously some Art Brute stuff as well. Um, as we get to the end of a, a weird year, twenty twenty one, what are you looking forward to personally, and what's coming up professionally? Twenty twenty one. Hopefully, if we start doing gigs again, I can't wait to finish that Subways tour because we were having a blast. I mean, I love the subways. And it was really nice to ask us and stuff. It was like, oh, everything's coming apart. Bro, this is brilliant. And then the pandemic hit. So, I mean, like, I can't wait to finish that tour, really. That's in October, I think. September, October next year. Um, I'm painting a lot at the moment. Christmas time, I always end up painting a lot. So I'm always... I do this thing where I paint... People commission me to listen to their favourite album. And um, I paint it while listening to it, like, over and over again. Uh, write a review and send it back to them. And I've done like nearly, I was counting earlier, like 213 hours or something over the last, it's, like, it's, it's great for me to like discover new bands, old new bands. I've done so many now though, I think I might make a little book of it or something. It's been quite an interesting process. Like when I started doing it, my plan was to like be brutally honest with everything, you know, our radio head, fuck off his shit, you know, like this kind of stuff. But then people like, commission them, they're like, oh, this is the album me and my girlfriend fell in love to. I can't be like, well, you idiots. <laughs> I have to like find, I have to find a nice, I mean, it's natural now, but to begin with, I had to find like a nice thing to say about each album. I changed my mind. And I thought, if I can find a nice thing in each album, then it's nice to write a positive review about so many different things. You know? so I've been, and I've done like 230. And I was kind of proud that I was like, oh, I'm more positive now. You know, like it's new, it affected me, I think, personally too, a little bit. But recently I've started to worry. I've like damaged my critical faculty, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't do like everything now. That can't be right. I can't like everything. So yeah, but anyway, I've done loads of these paintings, and I think I might make a little book and write about it or something. That's, I've got loads of time on my hands. <laughs> That's like the next thing I'm doing. And so, if people want to keep up to speed with with the art and and with the music, where's the best place to follow you, Eddie? 
oh, Twitter probably or Instagram. The the paintings, most of them are on Instagram. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Instagram, Facebook, all those places. I'm on the internet everywhere. Lovely. Eddie, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Thank you, man. It's great to do it. Oh, hey. lovely. Thanks loads, Eddie. Oh, wonderful. Eddie Argos, one absolute gent. Um, really enjoyed that. Kind of didn't want that one to finish. Um, we carried on chatting about uh, some mutual friends um, and, and, our, and our love of um, David Devant and his spirit wife. Uh, I should say, if, um, if you are also a fan of that band, then go and... Um, have a listen because uh, there's a great episode with uh, Mikey, who is uh, the, the the front man of that band. Um, and also we touched upon um, Uncle Sam by Madness. You can hear me chatting to both Chrissy Boy and Madness. And there's also an episode with me chatting to Bedders from Madness. And, and we referenced uh, quite a lot uh, in this episode as well. Um, a mutual friend, uh, in Jamie of the Claxons, and there's a great episode uh, with Jamie that came out recently that's had some amazing feedback as well. So um, why not go and treat yourself to uh, a little bit of ear candy and listen to some amazing creatives talking about their journey and the records that have been important along the way. Um, I hope you're all doing really, really well. Have a smashing week. I'll be back next time. Like I, met, like I said at the beginning, there is um, the Patreon if you'd like to kind of support us. It all does help. Um, other than that, if you see us on the socials, give us a like, love, share, retweet, and all that gubbins. Um, and you can find out about all things uh, Off The Beat and Track at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Be excellent to each other. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Eat a pocket.